Hello and welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. I believe there are many ways to live life. I believe there are many journeys for us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. There are many possibilities for all of us, not just the ones who've acquired great success, but including those of us who have stumbled lost our way, or only saw closed doors. With this show, maybe you can now see a glimmer coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibilities. Each week I bring a guest who represents those possibilities. They too have had their own struggles and their own uncertainty, yet somehow they have found their way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you learn, leap, fall down, and get back up. I invite you into the space so you can ask yourself, if that is possible for them, what is possible for me? Really ask yourself that. Join me each week for inspiration, empowerment, and entertainment. And you can connect with me at my website at www.howshereallydoesit.com and sign up for my weekly newsletter, which will give you each week's live shows directly into your inbox. Today I have... Fabiku, which I think I just mispronounced, and he is a <laughs> business awesomizer, suck exorist, and sonic alchemist, and the world's most skeptical shaman. I love that. Fabiku is here to talk about his journey as an entrepreneur. He's been a guest before, and how he has really created a business and the lifestyle that works for him. And we're going to really just get honest and real about the truth of entrepreneurship. Fabiku, hello and welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be back. <laughs> this is awesome. So let's first talk about, okay, what is a business awesomizer? <laughs> yeah, so um, for me, you know, when I was trying to think about the way to describe what I do, um, I, I didn't want to use the familiar language for a lot of reasons, right? I, I didn't really want to use coach. I didn't really want to use consultant, you know, because I think each of those things come with their own uh, baggage, you know, it's not that they're bad words, but you know, they have their own assumptions, and some of those, some of those just don't really fit with what I do. So, um, you know, business optimizer is my way of talking about the fact that I work with uh, creative entrepreneurs, uh, mostly entrepreneurs, uh, to help them find a way to get their work out in the world in a way that works, that attracts the right people, that makes money, uh, and that makes them happy at the end of the day. So, yeah, that's sort of my, my spin on uh, business coaching slash consulting. <laughs> so you're a business coach, but 
the, the true label is business awesomizer. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, because I, I think, like, if I say business coach, there's things that people assume that I do that I don't do, and there's things that I do that people wouldn't really guess, you know, mm-hmm. so I've, I've tried to kind of disconnect a little bit from from that, you know. Yeah. And for those that didn't hear the interview we did a couple of years ago or two or three years ago, if you can just give them a bit brief background about what you used to do versus, and then how you got into this business now. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of my work is, is centered around sound. I mean, I've spent really my whole life kind of immersed in this idea of sound as this uh, kind of transformative agent, you know. And, and if that initially sounds wacky to people, which I get, uh, I, I think the easiest way to sort of plug into the idea is, uh, you know, the effect that, that music has on you when you get up at 5 in the morning and don't really want to go to the gym, but you have to, and you throw your headphones on and start playing the tunes, and all of a sudden, you know, you're there and you're in your groove. So, um, you know, a lot of my work has been centered on sound uh, for a, a, a number of years. That was really sort of the main focus of the work that I did with people, is, you know, helping people work through things and work with things through sound. Uh, and then, you know, the, the focus has shifted a little, and it's interesting because sound still plays a big part of what I do, but it's more, uh, it's more on my end of things. So it's more of my process for working with people uh, and less about uh, sort of the interactive part of, of what I do with people. And, you know, really the way that the business stuff started was, you know, I just had people asking me again and again, you know, what are you doing that's growing your business so quickly? I mean, what's what, basically what's going on? How is this happening? Uh, and and I realized um, that there was there was a large group of people who had their own thing that they wanted to do and um, just wanted, I, I think, maybe a little different take on some of the how do I do this bits of, of uh, being an entrepreneur. And weren't you an, a corporate employee prior to all of this entrepreneurship? I was, yeah. So I spent some time uh, in a in a painfully boring uh, middle management cubicle job, uh, and I one day just realized I didn't just didn't want to do it anymore, basically. And so I just walked in and quit, you know, uh, with no notice at all. And everyone around me thought I'd lost my mind, and you know, all of that. Uh, it was one of those moments of what happened, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I spent some time in the in the corporate world. So for those that are listening, it's not that he's always been doing this entrepreneur thing, right? A lot of people could relate to you because they may have those jobs where they are, um, they feel stuck as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that was it. I mean, and it's, you know, like I, the one thing I don't like in the entrepreneur circles is there's usually this discussion that, you know, working for somebody else is a bad thing. Like, oh, those people that have jobs, you know, I, I don't feel that way at all. You know, I think sometimes that's the best thing that somebody can do is work for somebody else. But, you know, for me, it was just clearly, uh, clearly not, not the right thing for all kinds of different reasons. And so on this journey that you've been on as an entrepreneur, you know, I mean, there's there's so many like get rich quick or now there's the internet and you can make a lot of money right there's the, the we used to see the work moms who work from home right and they'd be on the telephone poles but now we have this on the internet what has been what do you attribute to your personal success as an entrepreneur oh, yeah so i mean first of all this this idea of you know the get rich quick thing i think um I think, unfortunately, the Internet has is, is made it a lot easier for that kind of nonsense to spread, and that's exactly what I think it is, is nonsense. You know, there's, 
uh, every week, you know, if you're in the online entrepreneurial circles, you're kind of bombarded with yet another person launching yet another magic blueprint program that'll, you know, help you make six figures in six minutes and get a slimmer waistline at the same time. You know, it's, it's ridiculous, you know. Um, and so clearly, <laughs> clearly I'm not a fan of uh, those programs. Uh, for a lot of reasons. One, I just don't think they work. You know, I, I think they make really unrealistic promises. And I think that, you know, one of the big things that's been essential for me that, you know, I think is one of the sort of unsexy things that nobody likes to talk about. But one of the big things for me has just been persistence. You know, the willingness to continue to keep showing up, even when things don't go the way I expected, even when things aren't looking great. Uh, there's a there's a persistence that's required, uh, I think, to really be successful as an entrepreneur. Because I, this myth of, you know, overnight success or six figures in six minutes, it's it's just it's not realistic. And uh, the reality is that it it takes time, you know. And I think that that's that's been a, a big piece of it for me, just being willing to continue to show up uh, over over time, you know, and just maintain my faith in what I'm doing and. Uh, that's been a big deal, you know, and that's one of the things that, you know, they don't tell you in these, these flashy blueprint programs. How do you maintain faith? When, when especially now, it's, I'm sure it's easier now, but when you were first starting out, how did you maintain faith? Yeah, and you're, you're right. Uh, you know, it, it, it reaches a point where it, it is a little easier, you know, because you have enough experience under your belt. But, uh in the beginning when that really wasn't the case, like it really became an issue of um, looking for faith in the smallest things, the tiniest successes, you know, uh, whether that meant, you know, writing a blog post that, that said what I wanted to say or that struck a chord with people or um, being able to talk about something that I think is really relevant and seeing it strike a chord in one person, you know. I mean, little tiny micro successes, I think, can be uh, life-sustaining. You know, and I think, uh, and there were also times that, you know, when my faith was shaky, that they were uh, very kind to people around me who would say, you know, keep going. Like, this is, you know, people need this, keep going. And I think that that's something that I've tried to be really mindful of uh, as my own business grows, you know, taking time to, to give that kind of support back to other people that are uh, kind of on the rise and doing their thing because. Uh, I mean, there were literally times when I, I just felt like, you know, maybe I should just pack this in, and uh, there would be a kinder, encouraging word from somebody that would just carry me on, you know, and I, I think that we should never, ever, ever underestimate the importance of that kind of kindness. You know, I so agree with you, whether it's um, just this morning, I got a message from somebody just about how they love my show, right? And just to have that, that gives me fuel to continue to want to do this work. I mean, I want to do it intrinsically, but it's just nice when you're tired, when you're, you know, I call it the dog days. It's like you're just, you mm -hmm. kind of go with like, how can I, you know, what else can I do? What else do I have to say? Who else can I talk to? And you get something like that of, thank you so much for the show. Or, or when, you know, when I was starting my own business, having people that I could reach out to and say, is this crazy? Is this a scam? Or is this a real business? Mm -hmm. Right? And for people mm -hmm. to say, no, it is real. And that could help me too, especially in times that I didn't have belief, you know, that I may have been at a low point in that moment. So, well, yeah, you know, because I mean, listen, I mean, I had people that told me you can, you can never pull this off. You know, you can't <laughs> take, there's no way you can't take a background in shamanism with a sort of obsessive fascination about business 
and bang drums and talk about punk rock and actually expect people to give me money. You know, <laughs> uh, I, and and pe- there were a number of people who were who were not even a little subtle about that. <laughs> you know, so I, I think you're right. I mean, having these little things that seem little but really aren't. You know, it's like there's this list. Uh, that they give us that I think is so important, you know, and, and you know, the other thing that I think is important about this faith thing, the, the, and, and this is more something I've learned now as opposed to, to a couple of, few, you know, a few years ago, is that a lot of times there's things growing and things moving in a good direction that we can't see, right? So it's like this idea of, of a seed underground. The seed's there, and it's sprouting, and it's growing, but, it, you know, we can't see it yet, and I think that's one of the essential ideas to keep in mind. And I know it's hard when you're in that phase where you're like, where's the seed? I can't see it. But mm-hmm. really, as someone that's, that's that now I, I know in my bones that that's always true. And so, you know, I, I think that that's one of those important messages to, to kind of pass back to people, you know. Um, there's almost always something cooking that you can't see, you know. And so just keep moving, keep moving, because the seed is doing its thing. You know, that's such a great visual because I think about when my kids started gardening a few years ago with my husband and they were, you know, I don't know how old they were, seven or so, and uh, they would plant the seeds and they would kind of look at the seeds and go, okay, the next day, where is it? <laughs> Why hasn't it grown, right? And and so often it's like we in the society are so caught up with that. If I do this, then this will happen, right? Like my, my weight loss clients, like, well, I'm listening to my body better. How come the weight's not coming off right away? I'm like, well, just relax. It's the process. Focus on the process. Right. Well, and you know, I think I think that that's another reason why I don't like these these flashy blueprint programs, right? Because they give you this illusion. Uh, it's like they 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 have this this false sense of timing that you know you pay me this big chunk of money, you follow my six proven steps, and then at the end of these six weeks or six days or six minutes, you're just sitting on an enormous pile of cash, you know. And that's just not how it works. And so I think that. You know, it, it's like that works in the opposite direction of understanding the seed growing thing. Because what happens is these people get to the end of this, whether it's a program or a book or whatever, you know, and they feel like, why isn't this working for me? Everybody else clearly is sitting on a big pile of money but me. And then the really tragic part of that is then they assume that they don't have what it takes or their thing's not good enough or nobody wants what, what they have to offer. And then, you know, they turn their back on it. And I think it, it's tragic when that happens, especially when that comes from this place, these really misplaced perceptions about timing and, and you know, how, how this all works and how seeds grow. Oh, yes. I so agree with you because people self-eliminate because they don't believe that it's possible for themselves or they compare mm-hmm. and despair with not factual information. Right. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Well, Absolutely. if I can't follow these six steps, then I must be a loser. Or I'm a failure. Of course, it doesn't work for me. Instead right. of, well, maybe the six steps is a marketing ploy to sell a book. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I always tell my clients, I'm like, look, weight loss isn't that simple in a sense that, you you know, yes, you eat less, you move more. But there's all these messages that go on in our head, you know, like just even with do I waste food or not? Right. There's there's a ton of conditioning that we have. And so it's about paying attention to that. It's a very I think of it as a mesh. And and I think the same thing with building a business is that, you know, I I don't know, Pam Slim and I talked about this before about it being entrepreneurship, being like one of the best personal development experiences that you could possibly have. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, and the thing is, like what you just said about what goes on in our head, 
I think, listen, if there's one thing that I can say in this interview that I think is, is really important, it's, it, goes, it goes directly to this point. I really believe that the stories that we tell ourselves have a bigger impact on our chances of success than anything else. Anything else, more than the marketing we do, more than the ideas we put out, more than any of it, right? Because, you know, it, it's not just about all the external stuff. I mean, it's... It, so this is like what you said with the weight loss. I mean, the external stuff of running a business, it's really not that complicated. At the end of the day, it really comes down to some fairly simple things that most people can master pretty quickly. But what I think the, the big deciding factor is, it goes back to these things that we tell ourselves day in and day out. And if we spend our time trying to build a business and putting this external stuff in place, but the whole time we're telling ourselves, I'm no good, this is a stupid mm -hmm. idea, there's no way I can do this, I'll never succeed, you're, you're really in a bad place, right? And I, I've talked to enough people that have achieved a level of success that I know these stories play a much bigger role than we ever realize. And the problem is most of this stuff just goes on so habitually that we don't even notice it, you know? And I think that, so really, I think the job of, of any entrepreneur, any, any hopeful entrepreneur, is to get real about the stories you tell yourself and to, to consciously check these stories and, and ask yourself if these stories are pointing you in a good direction or, or not. You know, because I really believe at the end of the day that has a, a much more radical impact on your success uh, than really anything else. So your background is with sound and my background is in athletics with swimming. And so that's always kind of like my testing ground. Like I try out a lot of this stuff that I learn about human behavior and I look at it in the sport of swimming because it's something I've been involved with for t 32 years. And uh, just recently, my husband coached an athlete who made the Olympic team. And it's been phenomenal just to watch because I've known this guy for about seven years the athlete and it's been phenomenal just to watch how his brain worked and to watch the mindset and exactly what you're talking about is the stories that he told himself you know one of the things he said in countless interviews is that my coach believed my coach believed in me you know and many times he believed in me far before I ever believed in myself but he kept believing in me and after a while I started believing in myself right and the things that they did to build evidence and it wasn't just positive affirmations of oh this is a pie in the sky dream they, they looked at they created concrete evidence along the way and it was all stair-stepped and there were it wasn't just this linear path straight up the mountain it was you know a very windy road with some big dips in it you know and uh but it was interesting because it's so much about like i just i can see so much evidence about how powerful the mind is you know, mm -hmm. and how it helps you get out of your own way. And the same thing with business or with weight loss or anything that we do. The mindset is just phenomenal that we can have and how it can, how it can eliminate us, how, how we can eliminate ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think it's, it's such a vital piece. You know, like one of my basic ideas that I work from is that, you know, there, there's an inner and outer component to everything, including success or relationship or weight loss or, you know, whatever it is. And I think the problem, the, the challenge that most people have when they're trying to, to do their thing and, and be an entrepreneur is, is the focus is almost always on the outer stuff, building mm -hmm. the website, writing the copy, you know, how do I send a newsletter, all of that. And, and there's not so much focus on the inner stuff. What am I telling myself? You know, how am I showing up? What, what are my biggest fears? What are my biggest wounds? How does that affect my ability to do this work, right? And I think what happens is, what I know for a fact is that once you get the, uh, the outer stuff and the inner stuff lined up, 
you almost become superconductive, right? Like the resistance drops, the momentum picks up, possibilities uh, happen in ways that just never seemed possible before because it's like there's this total coherence, right? And when that doesn't happen, there's this weird tug of war that's, that, that's going on. And because most people don't automatically get the outer and inner parts of things, uh, most people try to solve that tug of war by spending more time shuffling the outer stuff around, right? Like, well, it must be a problem with my copy or my website, or I'm not blogging enough, or I'm not on Twitter enough. It's never that. It's never about that, ever. In any case, is it ever about that. At the end of the day, it always comes back to some kind of inner thing that's shaping the outer thing, you know? And when we get that, and when we can dig into that and put the focus there, um, the results I've seen from that with myself and the clients have been nothing short of mind-blowing. It's just unbelievable. Don't you think that when you answer those questions, and those are great questions, when you answer those questions, there's a point of where you're being honest with yourself. And that authenticity, that honesty is what translates to other people out there. Absolutely, right? And I think, and I, I think this goes back to what you were saying, you know, about the, the entrepreneurship is, is a, a self-development thing. I think that's it exactly, right? I, I think that it's, it's this amazing opportunity for growth and transformation and, 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 and progress in ways that we never imagined, you know? Because, so for me, for example... You know, I was really hesitant for a long time to just to put my stuff out there. Like I would, I would create things and I would just stall putting them out there, or I would stick up a sales page quietly and then never tell anybody about it, just assume people are going to psychically know it's there. You know, it's just <laughs> ridiculous, right? And and what I what I started to realize, like I really had to get real and ask myself, like what's behind this? And at the end of the day, it all came back to this, what for me feels like this root wound of uh, fear of rejection. You know, that feels like total annihilation to me. So I would rather put something out there and never tell anybody about it and put it out there and people say, wow, that's terrible, you know. And so that affected my marketing and in a massive way, you know, and it affected my business and my bottom line and all of it. You know, so I had to get real about that. I had to get real about what was going on. This wasn't about marketing being hard or not knowing how to write a sale. It's not about that. It was about the fact but I was terrified of being rejected, and that that just touched something so fundamentally deep in me that I, I just couldn't do it, you know. And I think that those are the kinds of things that we have to be willing to get real about, uh, you know, if we're going to do this, you know. And I think it, it shows us that, you know, life and business are not separate things, you know. We can't put these in boxes and treat them as different different things. They're They're all deeply, deeply connected. So how did you overcome your fear of rejection? Um, you know what? I don't know if I have. You know, I mean, I think I'm, I'm, I am in a much better place with it than I was a couple of years ago. But, you know, for me, I, I think a lot of what it's been about is um, sort of slowly putting more of who I am out there, you know, in the first for a year or so, and, and mainly with through blogging and, and, you know, interviews and conversations and things. But it, it would feel a little bit like just kind of dipping my toe in and seeing if it was okay. You know, and every time I did, every time I was sure this was going to be the blog post or the interview that just completely ruined my career. You know, <laughs> and of course it never was. It never was. And not, not, only, not only was it never that, those are always the things that struck the greatest chords with people and that moved me forward within myself and within my business. And at some point I started to trust that enough so that so the, the, the momentum around putting the you out there 
uh, started to pick up, you know, and that in and of itself uh, has been a profoundly healing thing to know that I can show up who I am with all of my quirks and weirdness and all of that. And, and that not only is it okay, but it's, it's welcomed, it's wanted, it's appreciated, it's valued. Uh, but it's been a process, you know, and it, it, it's, yeah, it hasn't just been a, you know, boom, I'm done with this kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's been a process. I appreciate using that word process. That's what my, my key words are process, practice, process, practice. Mm, <laughs> Let go of the yeah, end result. <laughs> People are like, I'm tired of hearing about practice. I'm like, it is about practice. If you want to learn how to swim, you have to show up in the pool and practice every day. I can teach absolutely. anybody how to swim, no matter what their fear level is. Some people may take longer than others, but I can teach you. But you have to get in the pool. Right. And I think that's the same thing with building a business, losing weight, you know, any of the stuff, being and becoming an Olympian. It's all about the process. Yeah. You know, but we've been sold this bill of goods. Right. And that's and that's it. Right. It's like you said. I mean, I understand clearly the inner and the outer pieces that it takes to build a successful business that that will make you happy, will make you money and will, will allow you to be a service in the world. And I can give that to anybody, regardless of where they're at. They have to take it and do something with it, right? I mean, that's it. You know, I mean, you can't knock somebody into the pool and force them to swim. I mean, you know, like, that's not the way it works. You know, I mean, this stuff works. I know beyond any doubt that it works. But people have to take it and they have to run with it. And that goes back to the stories. You know, that goes back to the stuff that they tell themselves. That, that you know, they're standing on the edge of the, the pool, metaphorically or literally, mm-hmm. and, and talking themselves out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's big stuff. Or they tell themselves, like my students used to do this when I was at the college, because I would tell them the first day of the class, I'm like, look, if you cannot get in the pool, don't come. Go take care of your life and your business or your classes, whatever, because sitting in the bleachers is not going to be a way for you to learn how to swim. You only yeah. get credit if you actually get in the pool. Right. Right. Because it's about being and doing and living that, not sitting and being a bystander and watching. And I think that's what so often happens is we're like, oh, you know, I'll listen to this interview, but I'm not going to really answer those great questions that Fabiku said. Right. I'm going to. And I think there's a that's part of the process, that first part. But you've got to at some point dig deeper to actually get more results of what you want. Tell me where I'm wrong. Well, and, and that's it, you know, and I, you know, I think it, you know, so what I see is a lot of people, and listen, I did this, I, I, so the first year or so in business, I can't even tell you the amount of money that I spent on <laughs> every course, class, consultant, book, I mean, piles, piles of these things, and, and the truth is, I listened to almost none of them, mm-hmm. you know, and then I wondered, well, why is nothing happening? I bought all these courses, I've spent money, I've hired $500 an hour consultants, because I did nothing. I did nothing. And so, so then, in my head, I thought, well, clearly I just haven't bought the right course yet. So then, you know, so then I went on another round of buying courses and hiring consultants, you know. And then after that, after a lot of money and a lot of frustration, um, again, like you said, I had to get real. Nothing is happening because I'm doing nothing. That's why nothing is happening. And so then it becomes, well, why am I doing nothing? Let's get down to that, you know. That's, that's the next step, not forking out another... $297 for a class that tells me the same thing I've heard 75 times, you know, like that's not the answer, you know, it's like at it, it, some point you actually have to do something with what you have, and it's okay if you're not there yet, but be honest with yourself about that, like, it, you know, there's no judgment, but be honest with yourself about where you're at. 
you know, I think that's so important because I did the same thing. I was like, oh, if I take this program or if I work with this person, my problems will be solved, right? And, and then after a while, all that did was lead evidence. I was like, maybe this is all just a scam. I keep spending money. These programs keep coming out, but nothing happens. But I wasn't really doing the work. Right. I wasn't, you know, and then I was building up further evidence because th- what was going on on the inside of me, you know, my belief system was you have a fear of rejection. Mine was I'm a loser. So if I'm a loser, of course, this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Right. So I had to work through that whole process and then letting go of the idea that, oh, I can buy this or I can work with this person and this will now solve all of my problems and instead either create a partnership with the, uh, the person that I was working with where I was actually showing up and doing the work or just to be personally responsible and just do the work myself. That was, that was I think, the component for me that made yeah, the turnaround. And, you know, I, I think as, as business owners, I think that we also have a responsibility to, to be clear about where somebody's at when they're asking to work with us, right? I mean, at this point in my business, like, my client calendar is almost always full. I'm charging rates that are, I feel are, are comfortable rates and in some ways are kind of on the higher end. And I, the, the, as a part of that, I feel like it's my responsibility when you come to say, hey, listen, let's hang out and work on my business. I need to know where you're at. I need to know if you're in the bleachers or if you're standing at the edge of the pool ready to jump in. Because in, in, out of respect for you and your business and your time and your money, if you're not at the point where you're ready to jump in, I'm not going to take your money. You know, I'm not going to take your money and put you on the calendar and spend your time and my time if you're not there yet. And I think that, you know, that, there's that element of responsibility um, that I, I, wish, I wish I saw more of, as opposed to just, here's my money, let me give it to you, regardless of really whether this is the right program or the right fit or if I'm in the right place. You know, like, I think that, I think that there's, there's, a, there's a filtering uh, that's important, and at least for me, in my own business, I, I feel a pretty pretty heavy responsibility uh, to do that. And that's awesome because, yeah, I, I think you're right. I don't think there are a whole lot of people out there that do do that. They're trying to fill a program or fill a class or whatever. Um, yeah. So for, for newbies out there who are, who are in that mindset that you and I used to be like, okay, I want to go take buy this program or okay, I want, you know, and it's that whole shiny object syndrome. If I do this, I'm going to get better, right? Oh, this is a better program. What is your advice for them? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think when you're starting out, I mean, clearly, I mean, there's fundamental stuff that you need to learn, you know, I mean, there's fundamentals of having a website and blogging and marketing and, and communicating with your people, and I, I think it's fine to learn that. I think that the mistake comes in in assuming that you need to sign up for every class that comes out, or that, that, that every class is going to be the magic one when the other 64 weren't. Like, the reality is most of the information out there is pretty much the same. You know, if you've taken 10 marketing classes, you've probably heard the same thing more or less 10 times, you know. Um, And I think it's easy not to know that, especially when a lot of these classes are marketed as like the magic secret that nobody else knows, which I will just tell you now is always a lie. There is never a secret. Nobody ever has a secret to tell you about anything ever, especially with this business stuff. Um, So number one, don't ever buy into that because it's never a secret. Um, you know, I mean, if you're going to take a class, take a class and then use it and then work with it. And then, you know, give yourself six months to see how well you're doing with it. And, you know, if, if you need some more help, then fine, you know, but I, I think it's really tempting to get caught up in this, this buying every book, reading every course, you know, listening to every interview. And I, I think the problem with that is, is at some point it gets so overwhelming and so confusing 
you don't know what to do with it, or you just spend all of your time consuming the information and then never actually creating anything uh, as a result. You know, and I think that that's you know at least as bad as being sort of overwhelmed from information intake. You know, so you know if you want to if you want to start out, you know, take a marketing class, take a take a buy a book on copyright. You know, whatever. I mean, it's fine to learn those things, but. Um, really don't fall into this trap you have to buy a million things and that, that you know, one course is going to be so much more amazing than the other because that's almost never, never the case. Well, and I think of it like, because I used to have, you know, talk about the inside, I used to have some sort of belief system, some sort of conditioning that I must read the whole book and to be a good student of the book and apply everything in the book, right? And then I, that would lead to me reading everything or doing everything and Plus, I read all so many books for these for my show, but I would get on over information overload. And now I just look at it as what nuggets can I take from this that would work that's in line with my business or the way I teach or the way that I coach, right? And add those elements in there, but it's still true to who I am. So it's about, for me, I think of it more as nuggets or um, gold mining, I guess, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to, to put in, but not, not for me to go, oh, well, this expert says this and go this way. And then this expert says this. It's about w- what fits and helps build upon what I'm already currently building. Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the biggest uh, risks and biggest tragedies that I see in business is people losing their own sense of their unit, right? So, uh because what happens is, you know, when we, when we take every course and listen to every expert and follow every rule, eventually what we put out in the world doesn't look or feel or sound like who we are at all. And so then at best we end up with something that's doing okay but doesn't really fit. And at worst, and what happens most of the time, is we end up with something that does nothing at all in terms of money or response or any of that because uh, it doesn't feel... Uh, like us to us, and it doesn't feel like us to the people that are viewing it. And so I think that's the other risk with this sort of ravenous consumption of ideas and, and, and uh, ways of doing things is that we lose who we are, you mm-hmm. know. And I think what I know for myself that, you know, going back to the question of, you know, what do I attribute my success to, I know beyond any doubt that my success has, has increased in direct proportion to, to the degree that I put who I am out there in the world. You know, putting my you-ness out there uh, increasingly has directly increased uh, my success in, in practical ways in terms of calendar, bottom line, money, all of it, you know. Uh, and I think that, that uh, people risk losing that when they pile on all of these information. You know, like it reminds me of friends that I've known that have gone to art school and then have come out on the other side completely detached from their own art and they just produce art that looks like art school, you know, and then they have to go through and unlearn all of this stuff to really get back to their own style and so I think if someone on the front end of this and sort of new and open um, be careful not to lose your humus in all of this because it's, it's the one thing that's so vital to your business in terms of your success, in terms of what people will connect to um, you have to guard that unit uh, in, in every possible way. You know, and I think that's so important because I know, and that's, there's a risk, right? Because you're being vulnerable. You're willing to open yourself up to people where they can get to know you and make a comment. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think it, it takes extraordinary vulnerability and it, it can be terrifying. 
You know, I mean, that that goes back to the fear of rejection stuff we mm-hmm. talked about. You know, I thought, you know, if I talk about the fact that I love Batman or I bang drums <laughs> and then say, you know, pay me X per hour for coaching, people would say you are out of your mind, you know. Um, and the truth is the exact opposite has happened. But going into it, I was terrified, mm-hmm. you know, it, because I, I think it's easier, you know, to, to put this persona out there and then well if it fails well fine you know because you know they didn't know who I really was anyway but uh-huh. you know when, when you put that you-ness out there and sort of this full transmission of who you are um, it can feel like this life or death situation in a lot of ways so I understand that life or death because I've always had this fear of writing even though I'm supposed to be writing a book but I've had this fear of writing since university because um, my one of my teammates used to tell me I was a horrible writer because she was always proofing my papers. But I was also writing for, like, horrible subject matters, too. But um, so, you know, I don't tend to blog a whole lot on my personal website or on my business website. But uh, over the past month, I've been doing a lot of writing and sending out to some list of people. And, you know, and I just, it was like, I finally just decided, look, if they don't like this, they can delete it. But this is just what I have to say. And I was writing from my heart. And it was incredible because the response that I was getting, I mean, I would get these emails like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Or, oh, my gosh, I wait every day for your update. You know, and I was like, wow. Or, oh, my gosh, you're a really good writer. And I'm like, all I'm just doing is writing from my heart. Right. I was writing my experience and I was writing from my heart. And for whatever reason, it touched people. And then that, like when you talk about the micro successes. So today, as I was writing for my newsletter for the show and and everything, I just incorporated some stuff about kind of like because my life is kind of chaotic right now with everything that's going on. And it's all good. It's fine. And, and it's, it's quite the experience. But so I was just kind of writing about it in the newsletter. And then I got some emails back this morning from people who were responding to it. They're like, wow, this is so, you know, and, and you just go, oh, me showing up as me is what people want, not as some image or of some corporate branding, right? It's that person to person connection. Is that what you're talking about when you talk about you know, being careful not to you lose your you-ness. A hundred percent. And what you said, like, I think that that is one of the most vital business and not just business, life lessons ever. Like, if people can take one thing away from this conversation, that's it, right? You know, because, it, when, and, and nobody hears that in business, right? You know, when you hear, when you read marketing stuff and you read copywriting stuff, it's never, you know, say what you need to say right from your heart. It's figure out what people want to hear and write that. You know, <laughs> figure out how you can twist somebody's arm to get them to give you cash. I mean, it's ridiculous, you know, and the, the branding stuff, it's never put your unit out there. It's create some persona, this, this plastic caricature of who you are, or, or who you think people want you to be to make money. And one, I think it's, it's horrifically bad business advice. And two, it's, it's bad life advice, right? Like nobody wants to go through life feeling like I have to be someone other than who I am to be accepted, to get people to like me, you know? And, and exactly what you said, when we put who we are out there and all of our sort of messy, complex, amazing humanness, there's something magnetic about that. It strikes a chord, and I think at the end of the day, that's what everybody's yearning for, whether they have a business or don't have it. It doesn't matter. I think people are yearning to be who they are, and when they see somebody doing that, they recognize it at this, this visceral level. And I think that, that in and of itself can be a healing experience for someone to be around someone else 
is willing to do that because then it opens the door for them to know they can do the same thing. And so in the big picture, I think it's vital, like in a, in a deep soul level kind of a way. And, and then to bring it back to the business stuff, I think it's the best thing you can ever do for your business. You know, I mean, I, so I, I talk a lot about uh, like writing love letters instead of writing marketing stuff to people because, you know, I think, well, whatever, I won't get on that rant. But I think it, it, it just it feels, it feels easier and more relevant and more honest to me, right? And it's all about just saying what you need to say and saying what's in your heart and putting it out there. And it works. Like, it, it works. And I think it works because of that, that chord that it strikes with people. So, yes, what you said a thousand times, yes to that. Well, and don't you think, I mean, just as a society or just where we are now, we're very skeptical, right? And we, we understand that there's persuasion techniques out there and there's marketing. And I mean, I'm really good at tuning a lot of stuff like on Facebook, for instance, I never click on those ads, because I know that they're ads on Google, I never click on those ads, I know that they're ads. Right. But I, and I want that connection. I want to know that person. I want to know that story. And so I wonder as just customers, if we are just smarter, and so that is also another reason for us wanting to have this human connection with other people. Yeah, you know, I, I think that, that so much of marketing has been based on this idea of uh, converting people, right? I mean, even the language, looking at targets and prospects and, and pushing conversion, like those are all words that imply very specific things in terms of, of intention, energy, all of it. And uh, I think it, it's normal and healthy to have a very adverse reaction to that because, you know, it, 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 there's, a, there's a weird energy behind it. I mean, if I walked up to you and then twisted your arm and said, hand me your wallet, mm. like, that would be insane, right? I mean, you would look at me, and then, and then on top of it, to act like I'm doing you a favor, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, I think that that's what a lot of the marketing is. Like, I, I always talk about it in terms of, like, you know, this idea of, of pushing on people's pain and scaring them. It's like digging a hole, knocking them into it, and then charging them money to pull them out. It's insanity. And so I think that, that people are, are, are naturally skeptical to that, and they should be. Like, they really should be, because there's a funky energy behind it, you know? And so for me, I think that, you know, there are a couple of ways to market. I mean, you can get into the twisty conversion thing, or you can just create resonance and give people who really resonate with what you're doing the chance to feel it and respond to it and react and respond accordingly, and then the people who don't resonate, fine. Like, I'm not trying to convert anyone to what I do. I have zero interest in that, and I think that that's a bad business strategy. I'd rather put out what I'm doing in a clear enough way that the people who get it feel it and they know it, and it's this immediate yes for them, and the people that it's not, fine. Move on because there's somebody that will be your yes. And, and they should make it easy for you to find them. So in addition to all that I do with the radio show and my life coaching practice, I run a youth swim team in town. And Lori Foley has really helped me kind of just own all aspects of what I do. And that's been really pivotal, I think, for my business anyways. But, um, and again, remember, this, this whole swimming world is like my testing ground. So it, this has been great because this is a tribe, right? Seth Godin's thing about tribe. One of the things with, with being the director of this program is that I never dictate to anybody what they have to do. It's, it's all really by choice. I always say, look, you need to do what's best in your family's best interest. Obviously, the more you come to practice, the better your kid gets. But you have to figure, you know, you have a whole lot more that you've got to balance. And there's other teams that run things where, you know, we have championships this weekend. There's another team that if you don't go to championships, you're not allowed back on the team next year. 
And so it creates mm-hmm. a lot of fear. And what I've seen over the last 19 years of being a swim coach is that when you invite people, it, it inspires much more intrinsic motivation, which allows for people to flourish. When you come from a dictatorial standpoint, it's very extrinsic motivation and people hit dead ends. That's where that so-called, even though I don't believe in burnout, but that's where that so-called burnout or what I like to call it is self-elimination happens Mm -hmm. because they're very extrinsically focused. And so I always think of like everything that I do and I've gotten the last maybe year or two, I've really been big about this is an invitation. It's not an obligation. Right. If you want to be on my newsletter, it's an invitation. You don't have to do it. There's always an unsubscribe button. Right. If you want to work with me, it's an invitation. It is not an obligation. You need to figure out what works best for you. Right. And um, and even like my Christmas party, we have this massive Christmas party. It's an invitation. Do not feel obligated to come. If you have nothing going on and you want a place to be, come to my house on December 24th, right? Yeah. And I, I like to live that way because it's, there's a freeness. And in a world where I feel like we are so obligated by so many things, right? I mean, if you have kids, you're obligated to go volunteer or do all these things. So I just like that invitation. I think it's much more intrinsically motivated. And that sounds like what, what you do when you run your business. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this idea of an invitation is perfect. You know, I mean, that goes to the resonance. I mean, there's an opportunity. If you dig it, show up. If not, mm-hmm. move on. It's fine. Like, it's completely fine, you know? And I think, uh, for me, like, I really believe in terms of business and marketing and life and everything else, like, th- there's only ever two choices, love and fear. That's it. It oh. all comes down to that. And, and you know, that's true whether you're writing a sales page or whether you're, you're uh, entering a new relationship or whether you're trying to lose weight or whatever it is. Every choice always comes down to love or fear, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I refuse to write a sales page that makes you feel like your life is going to be miserable unless you give me money. Because, one, it's a lie. And, two, I think <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's, a heavy, there's a heavy kind of karmic thing with that that I don't dig. Like, that's an expensive way to make money, and I'm not into it, you know? So, and I, because I think marketing from that place assumes a brokenness in people that I know for a fact is a lie. And so for me, I, I assume bigness, not brokenness. So let's start from that place. You don't need what I do because you're broken and need to be fixed. What I do might be helpful because you have this bigness that the world needs, so let's figure out how to get it out there. And, you know, to me, this, this isn't, this isn't a, a, you know, a game of semantics. We're not playing with words. We're, we're living and working from a different place. And it's extending that invitation from love as opposed to trying to strong-arm somebody based on fear. And I, I think it's, uh, it, it feels like a, a radically different uh, approach. Well, and don't you think love is more powerful than fear? Always. Always. You know, and I, I think that, that what people that are, are living from and marketing from fear fail to realize is that it's not sustainable. Fear destroys relationships, always, without exception, in every case. And just from, you know, if you want to bring it down to just a purely nuts and bolts business discussion, you can't have a successful business without sustained relationships with your people. It's impossible. And if you're marketing to them from a place of fear, you're eroding those relationships every single time you make an offer to the world. And that is a really poor long-term business strategy. 
for me, I want every offer that I make to the world to be full of that love. And if you take it, cool. And if not, it's fine. It's fine, you know? And I want it to enhance the relationship with people regardless of the buying decision that they make. Because to me, the relationships are much more important long-term than, than people's short-term buying decisions. And, and I think that is important that when you talk about sustainability, because sometimes people are just looking at the sale today instead of that relationship they're building over the course of their business. Yeah, you know, because, I, listen, I mean, I think a lot of these people that sell these flashy blueprint programs, I mean, if you watch them, they might have six months to a year where they look like they're on fire, right? Like they're kind of the it person, making the money, you know, getting all the attention, and then all of a sudden they're gone. They are literally gone from the scene. It's like they blip in and they blip out. And that's because, in large part, the relationships that they created uh, were really just more transactional relationships in the first place, but they were eroded quickly by this pushy, pressure, uh, bandwidth-eating marketing that they were doing. Nobody can sustain that, you know? And if that's all you're focused on is, you know, how to make six figures right now, I mean, listen, you can probably do it. That's not that difficult. But you better have a plan B because that bridge will burn faster than you think. And so how does one figure out who, who, are, the, who are the people from love and who are the people from fear? Pay some- attention to how you feel. You can tell every time. If, if you read a sales page and your shoulders tense up and you feel contracted and you start to worry, what's going to happen if I don't take this? Is my business going to fail? Is my life going to fail? They're coming from fear. Always, always. You know, if at the end of the sales page you feel uh, more tense and more anxious than you did when you started, they're coming from fear. That's the easiest way to tell. Because when they're coming from love, there's a, there's a clarity, there's a relaxation, there's room around you, there's not this sort of itchy panic to trip over yourself on the way to the buy now button, to fork over money that you may or may not have and may or may not need to spend on this thing. It's never that. You know, when you get to the end of a page or an offer or a relationship that's based in love, there's space. There's room to think and decide, is this really for me or not? There's no anxiety. There's no, there's no worry at all because those, those are two totally different uh, energies that just feel different. Like, I think, you know, if, if you think about how you feel when you're afraid, you can always pick up traces of that when you read these sales pages that are written sincere. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Um, what if, and so because I sometimes you'll see, you know, we call them A-listers, and they'll go off and help promote somebody else, whether it's for the big affiliate commit. I mean, it's always hard to know. Is it for the big affiliate commission or if it's because they really think that this person just ha- is, ha- is offering a service or a product or a program that's worthwhile? And so you think even with even with that kind of recommendation, it's still easy to figure out, to listen to yourself about what is love and what is fear? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think affiliate marketing is hopelessly broken. I mean, I think the way that it's done now uh, is broken in a way that's beyond repair. You know, I think the entire model needs to be set on fire and rebuilt. Um, you know, because unfortunately, uh, it's become a game of, um, you know, selling your reputation for money. Um, and I think that that's unfortunate. You know, I think people uh, increasingly distrust affiliate marketing, and I think they should. 
Um, you know, because like you said, most of the time it's not clear whether somebody's promoting somebody because um, they're getting a paycheck or because something actually has value. And, um, you know, I, I think that the system itself has created that problem. You know, I, I rarely do any affiliate marketing stuff for exactly that reason. I think it's just a big tangled mess, you know. Um, and I, I think that what people should understand that, that do affiliate marketing or that participate in it is that, you know, the recommendations you make, that's your reputation. Mm-hmm. And so if you tell somebody this program is amazing because you're getting a 51% affiliate commission on it and it turns out not to be amazing, then people are going to remember that they spent their money because of you. They showed up because you said it was awesome. And so if it's not awesome, it's really so this is a really simple solution. If it's not awesome, don't say it's awesome. It's really easy, right? You know, it, that, that money is not worth your reputation. The money is not worth the damage to the relationships with, you, with your people. You know, I, I think the whole thing is, is just really, really broken. And I think that, that people should be very skeptical of affiliate marketing. I mean, I know there are people who do it in clean ways and that their recommendations are solid. Um, but I think overall it's, it's a pretty broken system. And so how does a newbie out there figure that out when they see a big name promoting thing? Do you really believe that they can go inside themselves and figure out, okay, this is, this is worthwhile or this is not? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think that they, they have to go inside and do that. I don't think anybody should ever buy something because somebody recommends it. You know, I don't care who it is, whether it's an A-lister or somebody you've never heard of, you know. Um, I, I don't think that somebody's endorsement of something should ever be reason for somebody just to buy it. And I think, unfortunately, it is. I mean, I think a lot of times that's exactly what happens. But I, I think the same thing applies. You know, go to the original offer, look at it, sit with it, see how you feel. Does this trigger that anxiety or does it create space? You know, how do you feel at the end of it? And you have to make that more important than some glowing letter that says, this is the best thing on the planet ever and you should buy it. <laughs> you know, I mean, that really, you should, you should give that the tiniest grain of salt and listen to your gut and listen to your feelings so much more than any of that, that stuff because, you know. Well, and I think for people, for listeners to realize that there are so many different ways to become successful. And what is it? I mean, first off, I guess, is defining what you determine as success, right? Is it to make six figures in six minutes or is it, you know, what, how do you determine your own success? How do you measure that? And, um, but then there's there's so many different paths. There's not just one way, and I think that's what's misleading about the blueprints or the six steps or, you know, a program is that this oh this is the secret way. This is the secret plan, and there's a lot of different ways, don't you think? I think there absolutely uh, there there are so many more ways than we can even imagine, and that goes back to the units, you know, which is so that's so important. Why you you really can't lose that because. As long as you maintain a connection to that, I mean, you have the opportunity to find your own way, to make your own map, you know. Um, And there's opportunities and challenges with that, but it's absolutely true. And anyone that ever says this is the way or this is the only way or even this is the best way, chances are they're just not telling the truth. I mean, just to be completely blunt about it, I think they're just not telling the truth because that's just not true at the end of the day. Don't you think that's like kind of ego, their ego is involved? Yeah, and it, 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 and it goes back to the fear and the control thing. Like, this is the way, and if you don't give me the money for this, then you're not going to know the way, which means, you know, you're going to live under a bridge and eat cat food out of a box. It's not true. Mm-hmm. It's just not true. 
Abaku, it's been awesome talking with you. This has been just so much fun. Um, before we close up, I'd like you to give a couple of takeaways. I mean, I have notes, pages of notes from, from everything that you've had to say, but what would be a couple of takeaways for entrepreneurs on their journey? Yeah, so the first thing is, you know, it all comes back to your you-ness. It's the most important magnetic thing you have. Guard it at all costs. Cultivate it in everything you do and run the opposite way from anyone who tells you otherwise. Uh, also, you can put your thing out in the world in your way that works and it feels good. It doesn't have to get gross or weird or twisty. And at the end of the day, everything always comes back to love and fear. And when you understand that, you, you, you have the compass you need to, to steer in a, in a clear direction. Thank you. That was awesome. Yeah, thank you. This is Kray Motokaitis. You've been listening to How She Really Does It. My guest today was Fabaku. I will have a link to his website next week on my website when the live show becomes a recording. You can listen to all my shows at www.howshereallydoesit.com and you're invited to join my weekly newsletter by signing up at my website. Early Fog is lifting, she's in a rowboat on a lake. She is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.